lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Surrounded by ever-increasing piles of dumb, this is the Steve Day Show. That would be me. Todd Erzin is here with me, as well as Aaron McIntyre. Hey, that's and, not a very nice thing to say about your producer, man. Pile, I didn't a, single, pile of dumb. I didn't single you out, but the fact that you went ahead and took ownership of that, I, I mean, I will defer to you. If you're... If that, if you thought, hey, the, the, when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelled is the one you hit, right? The, I didn't sp- say your just, name. You spoke up on your own. I so just, America now knows. Yeah, I just realized that I walked into that. So. That's. I think that's what you kids call a cell phone, right? Yeah, boy, it's a nice day outside. It is. It Sunny is. and 70 degrees. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Put down the shovel. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how. You can email the program. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash stevedace. Follow us on Twitter at Show. And as always, you can find clips of this show to sample yourself and then share with others over at youtube.com slash stevedace. And if you go over there to YouTube, make sure to subscribe. youtube.com slash stevedace. All right, coming up today. At the bottom of this hour, a conversation we are very much looking forward to. Jason Whitlock, formerly of Fox Sports and now with OutKick, is going to be joining us. And dude is just, he's like the Klingons, man. He doesn't take prisoners, okay? I mean, there's no POW, whatever war Jason Whitlock is waging, There's only two outcomes. Someone lives and someone dies. There will be no prisoners taken. And they shoot the wounded. All right. I mean, this is a high casualty rate, body count war. And I'm here for it. It's the content, frankly, I'm here for. And he will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, fake news or not. And then Pop Culture Tuesday on how sports, whether we end up having them or not, could ultimately be the undoing of all the panic porn on coronavirus. I'm going to lay that out and get Todd and Aaron's reaction to that with Pop Culture Tuesday coming out, or coming up next hour of the show. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by a noose on the loose. Yesterday, Bubba Wallace, a NASCAR driver, made waves after he reported a noose was found in the garage of his car before yesterday's Geico 500 race at Talladega. Naturally, NASCAR was quick to decry the incident, and all other drivers took the step to pushing Wallace's number 43 car to the starting line in a show of solidarity, and the FBI is investigating the incident as a hate crime. Unfortunately, no pictures of the noose or any the surveillance footage has been released from the garages where millions upon millions of dollars worth of racing cars are stored. Near the White House, Antifa and Black Lives Matter thugs have attempted to set up another autonomous zone, calling it the Black House Autonomous Zone. Their first act was to attempt to pull down a statue of former President Andrew Jackson before police intervened. In Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, white Black Lives Matter supporters have set up an area for blacks only so they could heal. The thing is, I'm I'm half Italian, half Colombian, so do I get a pass to get in there or? Well, this space is right now held for just black. Oh, just black. Okay, so full black, you're saying? 
um, if you have black ancestry or if you um, if you have experienced oppression because you are black, then you can enter this space. Okay. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, your thoughts? I always say Latinos are black. <laughs> we, we are Afro-Latina and um, we, we run an entire racial spectrum. President Trump tweets, I have authorized the federal government to arrest anyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property in the U.S. with up to 10 years in prison for the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act or such other laws that may be pertinent. President Trump also says, They started off with the Confederate and then they go to Ulysses S. Grant. Well, what's that all about? And they would knock down Lincoln. There's a group that wants to take down Lincoln. They haven't figured out exactly why yet. Uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. I've stopped them twice now from going over to the Jefferson Memorial. If I weren't president, they would have knocked down. If a guy like Biden was president, they will knock down the Jefferson Memorial. Newsweek headline Oklahoma reports highest ever daily COVID-19 cases after Trump Tulsa rally. Coronavirus news, a study using two different labs and two different methods of study in Italy has found traces of COVID-19 in sewage in two Italian cities dating back to December 18th of 2019 at the earliest. Back to sports, former NFL quarterback Brett Favre has some thoughts on Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick. He says Kaepernick has a lot in common with fallen war hero and former NFL player Pat Tillman. It's not easy for a guy his age, black or white, Hispanic, whatever, to stop something that you've always dreamed of doing and put it on hold, maybe forever, for something that you believe in. You know, I can only think of right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman's another guy who did something, you know, similar. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is believe in something, even if it means wearing cops are pigs socks. And finally, a couple of Blackface Bites Man stories. Actress Tina Fey has petitioned NBC to remove four episodes of the popular former TV show 30 Rock. The episodes feature comedic instances of blackface. ABC late night host Jimmy Kimmel has announced he's taking a leave of absence from that Jimmy Kimmel live show after receiving oodles of criticism for his performance in blackface years ago during a television sketch. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. You know, working from home these past few months has some advantages, but there's always trade-offs. And one of the disadvantages with us being home more than ever before, we're online more than ever before, working, banking, video conferences, meal deliveries, even shopping, which means our data is exposed to cyber criminals more than ever before as well. And that gets them to use that data to target our homes or really the equity, the money that we have invested in our homes. This crime is called home title theft. The FBI is warning homeowners to be on the lookout. Home title lock is how you can protect your home from these cyber thieves. Your home's legal title is online where they find it, forge your signature and make it look like you sold your home to them. And then they take out loans on your home and its value, leaving you with all of that debt. Banks, your home insurance, they don't protect you from this. But Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title so this doesn't happen to you. Protect your home right now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and use promo code Steve while you're there to get 30 free days of protection to help you through this crisis. 30 free days of protection with the promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. In the overtime today, 
All right, so we've got all these left comedians, left sitcoms, right? Do you, do you remember when we were kids when Ted Danson was married to Whoopi Goldberg? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that actually was a thing, kids. Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg were married. And was it her birthday party or something that he came out in blackface? Yeah. Do you remember that? Like that? Yeah, yeah. All right, so for the overtime today, this is another one of these questions. I've, I've just, I have to know the answer to this. What, what is it with the left and blackface? You have Governor Blackface over there in Virginia. I mean, I have, you know, I'm fairly well connected within the conservative movement, conservative media. I've pretty much been all over the country for the cause, you know, the, where all the racists are, apparently. And I've been around all these racists on the right all over the country. No one's ever, no one's ever like picked me up at the airport, introduced me at a speaking engagement in blackface. Right? No one's like requested I do the talk in blackface. I speak in blackface. I, I'm just, I've, no one's brought it up like in a casual conversation. How's the wife and kids? Hey, I wore blackface last week. I mean, it's, it's, it's never come up. Never. What is it with the left and blackface? I, I, that's going to be the overtime. I, I just need to ask this question and, and see if I can find out what the answer to it is. All right, blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace if you want to subscribe to the overtime. And if you're already a subscriber, that's where you can go later today to watch it yourself at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to the rest of what is in Aaron's montage. Let's start with the Italian sewage study because, I, I, I mean, that's a game changer. Well, it's like the 73rd yes. game changer, Okay. Guys, I, I can't stress this point enough. Everything you're being told about the virus by our media is a lie. Literally everything. The exact opposite of everything is true. The exact opposite of everything you're being told is true. And, and folks, I can't stress this point enough either. This isn't happening in any other free country in the world except for here. No other free country in the world is doing this. It's worse than it is in China. And I don't count them as a free country. Although you have been able to go to school in Wuhan, China now for about three months. Um, <laughs> what Italy is saying, just to put this in perspective, Turin and Milan combined have, have populations of over 4 million people, folks. That's, that's more people than live in our entire state of Iowa. That's more people than live in the entire state to the west of us, Nebraska. So these two Italian city, cities have over 4 million people. They went to trace because coronaviruses and a lot of viruses will show up in waste products and waste materials. Because you're flushing it from, this, from your system. So they went back and figured, hey, we, we, we got to know when did this get here? Because they're like interested in like what the science and data really is in Italy, apparently, unlike what goes on over here. And what they're saying is they can trace this into, into human waste within the sewage water a week before last Christmas, December 18th, in two cities with a combined population of over 4 million people. Which means how fast did that spread? Here's what's also interesting. 
Do you remember hearing the names of the cities Milan and Turin a lot when we were all freaked out about Italy? The whole country was going to be Italy, right? I mean, maybe it was bad there, but was it, it was Lombardy that was in our media, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody was, it was amazing how, how reading three tweets turns people into experts. The amount of experts that a bunch of Americans that couldn't point to Lombardy, Italy on a map were suddenly total and complete experts about Lombardy, Italy in the months of January and February. Community spread in a country of 65 million people in two cities with combined populations of over 4 million. Milan is one of the largest cities in Italy, by the way. And it dates back to a week before Christmas. Do you know what that means? Remember the original skeptical question I asked when we started locking down the country? How do you flatten a curve if what? You don't know when it began. You don't know when it began. And the reason why that mattered is if we lock ourselves down, is it too late? Is the virus already out there? Because if you lock yourself down with the virus, here's what you do. You send the healthy people home. It takes so much enforcement in a nation of 331 million particularly a nation, even though we're not the people we used to be, there's still a lot of that old-fashioned American, screw you, I'm not listening. Uh, There's still a lot more of that in our culture than there is, for example, in Spain. I mean, their grandparents were cheering Franco in the streets. Our grandparents killed people like that, okay? So what it takes to enforce that on a nation of 331 million, number one, you leave the most vulnerable even more so, number two, Because if it's already out there, these mitigation efforts won't work. If anything, this is a virus that thrives in dry, climate-controlled environments. It's like I'm, have I just been doing the same show since like March 17th? Just resetting all, has there been anything, anything, since I went to the initial deep dive of my research on this virus over three months ago, has anything come up at all that contradicted anything I said to this audience over three months ago? Nope. Instead, it seems like it's confirmed everything. And the reason why is because I got a lot of that information and research from other countries that we're doing real information and research on this when we weren't. We're still not. Or if we are, we're not being told. And then they kind of spring it on us, like they did that North Carolina serology study last week, which found after a random sample of the state, 10% antibodies in the state of North Carolina. 10%. If you are listening or watching us today from North Carolina, was there ever at any point you told were you told at any point that 10% of your state was infected with antibodies? Or I'm sorry, with the, with the virus? No, of course not. Not to mention, if you were told that, there would have been a freaking panic. This is the zombie apocalypse. 10% of the state has the, has, has the Rona. Were the Rona dead? Well, then how did 10% of the state get antibodies? This is not an insignificant state. It has a couple of large population centers. It's become one of the 
key battleground states electorally in America. The research triangle is located there. So if you never, ever were told that 10% of your state tested positive for Rona, how did 10% of your state get antibodies? The answer to that question is found in every other country other than this one, because every other country is getting back to normal as fast as it possibly can. And it has nothing to do with their people obeyed lockdowns better. Everybody, whether they did a lockdown or not, pretty much has the exact same data. I mean, Sweden's numbers of, of nursing home dead are almost the exact same as ours, which makes it appear that this virus is going after people that are on the low end of life expectancy, no matter what you do. Once, you know why? You know why? Because once it's in, it's in. Once it's in, it's in. Once it's in, it's in. Nothing you can do about it. At that point, you had to mobilize your infrastructure to deal with it. But locking it down wasn't going to make a difference. I haven't studied this one yet. Todd, you were telling me now about a study out of Pennsylvania? Out of Penn State University, yes. All right, so what it, what it, I haven't even seen this one yet. What was the one, what, what is this? Well, that it uh, was 80%, 80%, not 8%. The prevalence of the coronavirus is was 80% more prevalent uh, early on. Uh, again, the dates we're talking about from from sewage to beginning of lockdown uh, dates uh, than anybody uh, thought earlier, and that thus the spread was likely tw- at least twice as likely as anybody thought before. Which again, I mean that, that points to the same things we've been talking yes, about. Yes, and that that changes all of the math. It changes the math from infection rate, mortality rate. Um, I would imagine this is another seroprevalency test that did not include children because almost none of them have. The only one I know of that included children in the U.S., uh, they did it specifically of children in Manhattan and Brooklyn. I think it was uh, 20% of those, those kids came back with antibodies and none of them ever showed any symptoms. Because that's the other question too. How many of that 10% of the people in North Carolina that tested positive for antibodies ever showed any symptoms? How many of those people in Pennsylvania now ever showed any symptoms? That is important to note. It's important to know. And if, if anything else other than an orange man bad election were happening, and I mean anything else, at any other point in our history, we would know these things. In fact, we would be taking pride as a country in being the first to reveal these things to the world, to push back on them. This is only happening here. The only thing I can think of that incentivizes us to self-emulate when every other free country in the world refuses to do so for this virus. The only other thing I can think of, or the only thing I can think of that incentivizes us to do this is this election. You, I promise you, if you're one or a hundred, you have never been lied to more as an American than you have been about this virus for the last three plus months. I promise you that's the case. Michael Evanati was more honest with you than, than your system has been with you about this virus. And just look at what the rest of the world is doing and we're not, 
and look what we're doing and the rest of the world isn't. It, it's, it's through the looking glass, Alice. We are on the other side here of the rabbit hole. What's right is left. What's left is right. What's down is up. What's up is down. Everything you're being told is wrong. We'll get into this more in the, in the, in the Pop Culture Tuesday thing. Because there's several examples of that now that we're bringing the athletes back. Everything you're being told about that is a lie. Is 100% different. And it's just simply because there's a, there's a spirit of the age at work here that demands to wreck this country on Donald Trump's watch. No matter the cost. No matter the cost. The mission is to turn him into Jimmy Carter. There was more truth in anonymous leaks from the Mueller probe than you have ever been told about this virus. I promise you that's the case. Because the list of human beings on this planet with American citizenship, not in the medical community, who have researched this virus more than me is a un paquito list. Really, really, really small. Handful of names, maybe. Which is why everything I told you in the middle of March has proven to be true for the last three months. Which is why I told you don't listen to the CDC and keep infecting your surfaces when they told you not to. And then they came back a week later and said, yeah, we were wrong about that. I mean, I, I, I wonder the increased amount. Of, I can just, I, I can tell you what's going on with the increased amount of cases. I warned you when they first started testing that we were going to get, the reason we were getting numbers 20% positives back. Because who were they testing first? Who would you test first when you're just rolling out a test plan? Who would you test first? The sick, the the more yeah, you go after the people or the the most symptomatic, the most vulnerable, Correct. right? We have we did all these shows. If I'm 38, if I'm if I'm 47 and and, and I'm buck 50, fit and trim for my age, like Todd, and I think I and I thought I got exposed to coronavirus, and I called the hospital, and they ask you, are you running a temp? No. Anybody in your home sick? No. What what were they going to tell you in March and April about coming in for a test? Don't don't because we have a finite number of tests. So remember when we were told rising cases in Georgia as they reopen, rising cases in Texas as they reopen. We had those conversations in May. Of course there were rising cases because what was the condition put on reopening? What was the number one condition that had to be met? Mass testing. Remember? Yeah. Mass testing was the number one condition that had to be met. So these states wanted to aggressively reopen. What did our governor do before she started opening everything up? What did she start? What did she install before she started opening up our state? What did she install? Testing. A mass testing program. The states that were the most aggressive with this did mass testing. Why? Because that was the condition that was put on them to reopen. They had to do mass testing. Now every state is, open to, is, is reopened to some degree. Which means what is every state doing now? Testing. Mass testing, more than they ever did before. If you go to the hospital for a kidney stone, a sprained ankle, anything, what are you going to get when you get there? A test for COVID-19. They're going to give you a test. A buddy of mine's kid has a fever. He's younger than Aaron, fit and trim, bikes 10 miles a day. 
They would have told him two months ago, stay home unless you don't get better for a few days. And then if you don't get better for a few days, go ahead and come on and we'll give you a test. He got a test one day notice now. One day notice. He would not have gotten that two or three months ago. Why? We didn't have the capability. So we had to focus on the most vulnerable. And now we do have mass testing capability. Folks, the fake news on this is so bad. Anthony Fauci was in front of Congress this morning defending the president. Remember the story that was busting out last night? Trump uh, wants uh, Trump wants the testing to stop so that the spike in cases will go away. It's so bad. Even the high priest, the Pope of panic porn himself, Anthony Fauci, was in front of Congress this morning saying the, the exact opposite of this is true. We've been encouraged to keep testing everybody. And when we test all these people and they don't end up in hospitals in a week or two or intubated in a week or two, the jig's going to be up then. See, this is what happened in these other countries. They did mass testing too. And the results came back and they were like, 80% of these people are asymptomatic. Switzerland was like 0.005% of people under 50 are dying. What are we doing to ourselves? Why are we doing this? If you were if you were 27 and at a bar and said, "Hey, I was in, I was at a bar. I th- somebody might have had the Rona. Could you have gotten tested in this country for that in April or May or or March for that matter?" Hell no. That have told you, "Wait, go home. Quarantine yourself for 14 days. Wait to see if you and if you don't if you don't show any symptoms after that, have a nice life." Because we had a finite number of tests. Now we can test a piece of cardboard if we want. This is all a scam. Everything you're being told about this is a lie. There's like nothing true. At this point, you're better off taking whatever news you get and, and from any mainstream source and just reversing it for what is true. Of course, we're going to get a higher number of cases. We're testing more people. And, and since we already got through the sick and the most vulnerable, now we're doing mass testing. Because we need to know before we let everybody into the gen pop who's carrying the virus or not. It's common sense. And wait to what happens when all these baseball players and basketball players and football players test positive and like none of them go to the hospital in a week or two. None of them need a ventilator. What are we going to say then? What will be the new standard? What will be, the, what'll be the, the new deck we've shuffled? The new ground we've shifted? The new goalposts we've moved? What will it be then? That somehow the United States of America and no other nation will be demanded to be the first to eradicate a virus. First of all, we don't even eradicate viruses anyway. Historically, number one, it's very rare. But we will be the first country, at least until the first Tuesday in November, demanded to do this without any form of a vaccine whatsoever. It's never happened before. Ever. Ever. Didn't eradicate smallpox without a vaccine. It's like the only virus we've ever gotten rid of off the planet. It took like a thousand years. This whole thing's a crock. The new one is, well, well, well the, the, the antibodies go away quicker than we thought. Because the virus is weaker than you thought. That's why. The virus is weaker than you thought. That's why. 
Everything you're told is the opposite of the truth. Everything. Do the opposite of everything that is being told of you. That's my best advice from here on out. Believe and think the opposite of everything being told of you between now and the election. Because I just think that's all that this is. We just, this has all just been politicized. You'll get more truth from almost any other nation on earth. I promise you, you and I don't care about the children of Denmark more than the Denmarkians. I promise you, you and I do not care more about the Israeli children than the Israelis. I promise you, you and I do not care more about the children of South Korea than the South Koreans do. I promise you that's true. So watch what they do. Because this scam is unbelievable. And they're, they're literally doing the stuff we laughed and joked about a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Wait, after these riots and they come out and say, riots don't spread the, the, the disease. But, but, but you going to a restaurant does. We thought that was a joke. They're literally doing it. They're literally doing it. Nothing you're being told is true from these sources. It's all a lie. Do the exact opposite of everything. Don't trust them on anything. It's all a scam. It's the biggest scam that's ever been perpetrated on the American people. Whenever there's an opportunity for us to get somebody on this show that, by contrast, allows me to look amicable, PC, PC, likable, um, uh, 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 agreeable, it's so rare for us to have an opportunity to do that on this show that when the moment avails itself. We, we always try to take advantage of it, which is one of the myriad of reasons. I have been very much looking forward to the conversation we are about to have. Jason Whitlock joins us here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast, formerly of Fox Sports, and now with uh, Clay Travis's outfit over there at OutKick. And we want to welcome him to the show. And Jason, first of all, let me thank you for being with us because I, uh, you might be even more abrasive than me. That's a tough that's a tough limbo bar to clear, brother. And so I, I just wanted to thank you for joining us because I'm gonna I'm gonna be the pussycat here for the next 15 minutes or so. How are you? Great, and thanks for having me. Uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my part. I'll just be me, and we'll see where that lands. There you go. There you go. Let's before we get into what's going on in the world. You have made just in the last week one of the most fascinating moves I've ever seen in national media. So you were on Fox Sports, which. You know, I, I don't get into a lot of the debate sports shows, frankly, because a lot of it, especially on the ESPN side, just seems entirely contrived where the white guy thinks that he actually is more woke than the black guy. And they just go back and forth on everything's racist. Right. Um, and uh, but the, Fox Sports did seem to have contrarian opinions. I really think Marcellus Wiley's a smart guy, for example. You know, and I, I like contrarian opinions, whether I agree with them or not. I just like finding out what people really think, not what narrative they want to emulate, right? You seem to have a lot of freedom there on Fox before you stunned people by making this move to outkick. So can you go into that? What, what made you decide to, to go ahead and make this move? Well, 
I, I wanted to be completely free. And I do think I had a lot of freedom at Fox Sports. I, I can't complain about that. At, in comparison, relative to the rest of sports television, I felt like I had a lot of freedom. Did I have the ultimate freedom? Did I, did, did I really feel like I could say everything that I wanted to say? No. And, and that's not because there was some executive saying don't do this or don't do that. But it's just the construct of the show. I'm someone that likes to go deep into an issue, and it's hard to do that in 90-second, two-minute sound bites on a television show when you're debating mm-hmm. uh, people constantly. And a lot of times as a journalist, uh, and, and again, I, I love the group of guys that I work with on the show and, and brought on to the show, but I'm a journalist. A lot of the guys on the show are athletes. I'm a little bit further along in the conversation than they are. And so there's just ways that you're restricted in the conversation. And and so, I mean, but the primary reason, as I've explained in some uh, print interviews, is the opportunity they gave me in the middle of this pandemic wasn't opportunity-based. It was fear-based. It was, hey, we want you to do this two-year deal. We're going to keep the pay flat. We're we're not going to engage in a conversation about how we can better support and promote your show to get it further reach. And that's what I was looking for, more reach, because I feel like where we're at in this time, there's a conversation that needs to be had and people need access to it in a very deep and substantive way. And I just don't feel like where the time slot and, and where I was, I, I'm just not sure if the opportunity to reach as many people as I could was there and reach people with the level of substance I wanted to reach them with. And that's why I think, you know, going back to going to uh, partnering with Clay, going to OutKick, returning to writing, and eventually, hopefully here in the first of August, I'm going to start a podcast and just I can get more into long form writing, long form discussions, uh, long form interviews with people. I think that gives me the best chance of getting the message that I want out out. And quite frankly, I think the move Clay and I are making gives me the best chance to benefit economically. I read your piece over at OutKick when you uh, kind of went further in depth into why you made this move. And it was clear that your a spiritual awakening in your life was a was a key factor here and uh, that's that dovetails with my own story i mean i come up from sports media i my dream ultimately originally was to uh go back to michigan and and you know do a, you know, a, a daily show on the, some big detroit station and cover all the teams i grew up rooting for and getting paid for it and then along the lines I, along, along the way i have a spiritual conversion and suddenly i still love sports but it's not my end-all be-all anymore and i get moved over to news and i want to talk about deeper subjects and then i find out that as i get into this that a lot of people that i thought agreed with me really didn't they just wanted to use people like me to get us to vote for them on election day while they then screwed us the rest of the time and i kept calling them out for that and then not making a friends even with the people that i thought agreed with me on that i don't know does any of this sound familiar to you at all jason when, <laughs> when i'm alluding to a, a, a little to? bit yeah because I, I wouldn't say i just i've been on a spiritual journey 
since I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I think when you reach my age, and I think I'm a bit older than you, Steve, I'm 53. Mm -hmm. When you reach my age, you become very resolute about who you are, what's your worldview, what's driving your worldview, what experiences in your life, where's your point of view come from. I'm very resolute about that. I'm a Christian. I'm an American. I'm heterosexual. I'm black. Uh, I grew up playing football and the values taught in football. And so I think a lot of times my message over television, because things are in such short sound bites and you're surrounded by uh, so many other people, you don't people get confused about well, wh- where where's his point of view coming from? And social media relates everything to politics and or race. And so you get framed that way. Oh, Whitlock must be a conservative and Whitlock uh, is a black person that doesn't think like the majority of black people. I don't want to be evaluated that way. I want to be evaluated on real terms and in and my where my real wor- worldview comes from. And uh, I just th- this when you really. There, there have been parts of my life where I've, I mean, I've always been a Christian, but was I comfortable talking about being a Christian the way that I was living, a very immature lifestyle? I've matured. I've, I feel more comfortable sharing with people my Christian journey and what my values are and who helped shape them. I, I feel more comfortable standing on that because I'm living a life more consistent with those values and and you know again am i perfect no none of us are we all sin but i've just reached a point where it's 53 here's who i am Hmm. if you don't like it this explains the positions i take if you don't like it but don't don't frame me as some kind of republican or democrat or political conservative or political liberal i'm a christian american first and foremost My first foray into public activism here in my home state when I got on the air, I live in Iowa, uh, and um, I got to know a a guy that remind you remind me a lot of him, and and somehow we struck up a great friendship, and uh, this white uh, evangelical from the suburbs helped get the first ever uh, black man elected who was a Democrat on the Des Moines school board, because aside from a few policy differences at the state house level, we pretty much agreed on every other major cultural thing and, and, and what was best for how to educate kids. And, and through that experience, him and I did a lot of racial reconciliation ministry here in Des Moines. Um, it ended up helping to spark the, the, form, the, the founding of the first inner city Christian school in the history of Des Moines, Joshua Christian Academy. A lot of great things came out of that relationship, but it was difficult. I mean, a lot of people that weren't used to being around each other, talking to each other, relating to each other as individuals and not as stereotypes or groups had to overcome a lot of those obstacles. And it was hard within the church, let alone doing this outside of the Holy Spirit directly intervening in those kinds of relationships. Right. And, and, and that has me looking at a lot of what we're calling racial healing right now with, with a very jaundiced eye, because I have a hard time understanding how whether we whether we kneel for the anthem or not. What does that do for the 92% of black kids in Detroit that are not reading proficient in the eighth grade right now? What does that do for that? 
I mean, those those are the kinds of issues my old friend who passed away a couple of years ago, Jonathan and I, we looked at those issues. Those are the things we were concerned about, how to close those gaps. And it just seems like a lot of these fights that we want to have on, on Woke Center and on, on the internet and pro football talk, how much of this, really, I don't want to be cynical about everything, but how much of it is it really just to get a ratio on social media, Jason? And how much is it we're really here going to address the substantive gaps that still exist despite the progress we've made between black America and the rest of the country? Because I don't know how a lot of these pissing contests, frankly, solve any of these actual issues or do anything for anybody. They don't. I'm going to defend the individuals in this regard. The corporations and the media executives that they report to. They're so controlled by social media. They're so fearful of a social media mob that a lot of the personalities are like, well, the safest thing I can do and the most impressive thing I can do for my immediate bosses, the executives and for their corporate sponsors is make sure my brand is consistent with the brand that social media supports. I'm mostly talking about Twitter uh, the media, the mainstream media is addicted to Twitter. The executives are addicted to Twitter. The corporate sponsors are addicted to Twitter. And Twitter is configured in a way that supports far left progressive politics, uh, the LGBT community, uh, celebrity worship and a PC culture. And so I just think a lot of people are just doing economic survival moves. Mm. How can I maintain my job Mm -hmm. by staying on the good side of Twitter and social media? And so does it ring as phony to me? Yes. Is it easier for me to say, screw that? I'm going to go my own direction. I'm going to go with what I actually believe in the values that I was brought and raised up with and the values that I believe in. It's easier for me because I don't have a wife and kids. It's it's I can take care of Jason Whitlock, take care of my mom, take care of a few other people in my family. I'm good, but I don't have an immediate family to report to. And so I look at a lot of these guys and say, you know, the pressures that they're under from their bosses and the pressure their bosses are under from corporate sponsors because we're all addicted to social media. And this I've been arguing this for two, three, four years that Silicon Valley and, and their social media apps are actually in control of the media. We loved it. We used to love to talk about uh, the New York bias of the media. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's clearly a Silicon bi- Silicon Valley bias to the media, and they are controlling the conversation in this America. In America, and it's toxic. I've got about two and a half minutes, so probably not enough time to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay, what I hear from the sports fans in our audience is they're struggling with um, the politicization of the sports that they love. On the other hand, though, you know, they want to champion the individual. You have a platform. You can speak your mind, you know, and so they want to be able to respect that. And so they're, they're struggling with, when, when, with the idea that I can't have a counter opinion. Once the, once the athlete gives an opinion, particularly if it's of a particular bent, I can't have a counter opinion. I just have to, you get to do all the talking. You get to kneel. I can't criticize that. Like there's, and, and so there, there's a lot of people in our audiences like ours are struggling with what's the line between respecting people in a modern age to have the opinions they want to have to you are now, you are, you are purposefully alienating me. What would you say to that? 
I, I would say that a lot of the discord and disconnect and divide in this country is being socially engineered. It's on purpose. Sports have been traditionally a unifying force in American culture. There are people that don't want us unified. There are foreign powers that don't want us unified. There are anarchists within our own society that don't want us unified. Mm -hmm. And I think they're using social media to create a divide within sports. I think the athletes have all been convinced that you got to build your social media brand and you got to lean into things that will make you popular over social media. And so everybody wants to kneel. Everybody wants to protest. It's all about the individual. And I feel sorry for sports fans because this is a total contradiction of the values of traditional sports. They're very unifying. They're a meritocracy. There are no victims in sports. And to see all these athletes try to claim victim status or promote a, or promote a victim mentality is just off-putting to the typical sports fan because sports are about who conquers who. They're about the champions. They're not about the victim. And so I would just say hang tight as best you can, but I get where you're coming from. Sports culture is being changed right before our eyes. The athletes are young. I don't think they really fully understand all the pressures on them and what's moving them the direction they are. They just want to be popular over social media. There's money to be made by being an influencer. And and so we've just changed. I've, I've, and Steve, I'm sorry for speaking so long, but That's okay. we have changed from athletes being role models to athletes being influencers. And that's an enormous difference. Mm. A role model tries to model behavior that kids can model to move ahead in life. An influencer tries to build a following and then direct that following to buy commercial products. It's a major difference. Athletes want to be influencers. They have no interest in being role models. We are just at the tip of the iceberg, brother. We would love to definitely have you back in the future, uh, especially no following some of the stuff you have written over at OutKick already. I've, I've even shared it with some of our audience at the same time. So we're going to be pestering you again. So I just want you to be no uh, forewarned about it's that. Very all right? easy. <laughs> it's very easy. Love your setup. I'm gonna try, when I start my podcast, I'm going to try to mirror your setup. That looks amazing. All right. Hey, you have your people. Call my people, and uh, maybe we can give you a hand with that. All right? Appreciate it. All right. Take care. God bless. Appreciate it. Okay. You bet. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? I can't remember who we had on a while back, but my reaction is the same as that. Part. that it's so inspiring because there's a man who is just, he's free. He's independent. I will not bend the knee to anybody other than my Lord, and I need to do something that allows me to tell you that on a daily basis. It's just a great gift to have no matter what you do, whether you talk sports for life, whatever you do. Be Jason Whitlock. Say, here I stand. I can do no other. It's got you quote Martin Luther over there, man. <laughs> yeah. The Catholic. Go ahead. It's just refreshing. Just refreshing to see a guy comfortable in his own in his own skin, the way that he is, just with his beliefs. You just don't see that anymore, and it's refreshing to see. We'll come back. Fake News or Not is next and Pop Culture Tuesday as we get set with hour number two here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned.
right, back here on the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. Hour number two. Ready to go. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pop Culture Tuesday. When we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism, I'm going to lay out how I think once and for all, sports may end up canceling the coronavirus panic porn. And maybe it's kind of fitting since sports is really what kicked it into high gear, right? I mean, Aaron, you've always said you knew this was going to get real when what happened? When the NCAA tournament was canceled. Right, because that's over 90% of the yep. NCAA's budget every single year. They make a billion dollars at least from that tournament every year with a B. NBA canceling its season, NHL canceling or postponing its seasons. And so since sports was really the first sign that stuff was about to get real with this, all right, maybe it's only serendipity. We come full circle that sports may be what ultimately ends up canceling the panic porn. I'll lay that out, though, for you at the bottom of the hour. Before we get to that, though, it is time for Fake News or Not, brought to you by Rough Greens Vitasmart. You know, the same problem uh, that we have with our food, which is why we're taking so many supplements today. All of those vitamins, nutrients, minerals, uh, antioxidants, all the cool stuff that we need. Those omega oils, all stripped out of our food. Why? Because it doesn't permit your food to be mass consumed for mass production and long shelf life. If you leave that stuff in there, it spoils faster. And so we need that from the food more than anything else, not just to fill our bellies or give us something that tastes good. We need that stuff. And so we're taking supplements on top of our food because the food doesn't have the supplements that it was supposed to have. Same thing happens with our pets as well. That dry dog food also has been stripped of all the good stuff your pet needs. And that's where Rough Greens Vitasmart comes in. It is not a premium dog food, but a premium dog food supplement. You just sprinkle it on top of your dog's food. Apparently it tastes great too, because our dog Cap absolutely loves the way this stuff tastes, but it puts all the good stuff missing from your dog's food right back in there. If you want to try it right now, see for a couple of weeks if it jumpstarts your dog's energy level, health, etc. It's the 14-day jumpstart challenge with Rough Greens by Smart, and it's just $14.95 if you want to try it today at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Just to reset the ground rules for fake news or not, we are no longer on a regular basis fact-checking enemy media. Instead, we're wondering, what about the, the, the people and the platforms that claim to be speaking to and for what's left of America? Are they fake news or not? And we begin by asking a simple question. Is the clip you're about to see here is this true? And despite the fact that we, I, have done a phenomenal job with it, I shut down the United States to very heavily infected, but all people from China in late January, which is months earlier than other people would have done it if they would have done it at all. I saved hundreds of thousands of lives. We don't ever get even a mention. Now, I chose this clip because there's a fascinating, I don't know if it's a Freudian slip, if he self-edited, okay? But it appears when you watch this clip, Todd, I'm going to go to you first on this. It appears that he's about to say, 
I shut down the country and saved all these lives. Did, did, when you watched that clip, did you get the sense that he was kind of going to say that? Yeah. And then instead pivoted to, um, well, the, the Chinese travel uh, talking point yeah. instead. Did you get that sense as well? It was a big word salad is okay. what it was. All yes. right. All right. Because I, I think that those, there, you, you, we've heard shut down the border. But the word lock, the reason I think that is the word lockdown has been used in the, the context domestically where we're concerned, right? Locking down the country, shutting down the border. But anyway, your thoughts, fake news or not? What do you think? It's fake news uh, because it's a unhelpful world, word salad that does not provide any clarity for the to get away, to get rid of the perpetual lies that are still dialed all the way up to 11 and they seem like they're not going to go anywhere uh, to the election on this. It, it's all boilerplate. It's not uh, providing uh, the, the data. And again, he does not have to go Steve Dacian deep dive or anything like that. We've had this data for so long. It's abundantly clear what it says. So we need more of that. And you can use that as a bludgeoning tool to still make fun of people in the way you want to. But you're just you know saying you saved hundreds of thousands of people is entirely unhelpful because you have a track record of saying things that are blown out of proportion, not in context or just flat out wrong. And so you just give red meat to people to uh say you're fake you yourself, Donald Trump, are fake news. Yeah, it's uh, total fake news. It's the unfalsifiability fallacy again, and and I've been talking about this for months now. It's it's positing something that is a conclusion that's impossible to disprove. Now we're ta not talking about premises here. We're talking about conclusions, conclusions that are impossible to disprove. It's impossible to disprove, although you could try, but it's impossible to disprove that somebody. Uh, there's just too much, too much there. And not enough, actually, uh, there's not too much of a, or not enough of a soliloquy there to actually prove that he saved hundreds of thousands of lives. It's a fallacious statement. Um, the, I mean, it's been used over and over again. Cases spike. We're not doing a good enough job of social distancing. Cases go down. Good job. You social distanced satisfactorily. Uh, it's unfalsifiable and it's a fallacious way of thinking. So are we saying because I don't think you guys are saying this, so I want to clarify it for the audience. Our, we're not saying here that lives weren't saved by shutting down the Chinese travel on January 31. That is not what we're saying. No, that's just one we, variable. But, but, it, but the, the, the concern of, the, of, of conflating this with that, with that overall oh. narrative, as Aaron illustrated, the overall narrative that this ties into the overall lockdown narrative in an, it, it, rather than singling out that particular action lives are definitely saved from shutting down the border but we've raised questions for a long time did, did and we still brought in over forty thousand people from well, china yeah. even after he did that in new york yeah and did lockdowns actually cost lives well you're forever tied to that donald and i understand that was challenging um but you're forever tied to uh dr fauci as well who we've been incredibly critical of so i there's a, it, it might be a wash in the end, quite frankly, for what you are responsible for. I'll say this just to, I was encouraged that he seemed to self-edit there because we've seen him attack Sweden. We've seen him defend these lockdowns. 
And if he's self-editing at his rally, because you could hear the applause, right? When he first starts, when he starts talking about, I, I was the one that locked down and there's just, you know, temper, tempered, tempered applause. And it's all people that would applaud him if he just stood up there and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play, uh, you know, naked tag with Stormy Daniels here in an hour. They'd applaud that too, right? Okay, that's just that. But it's very, you can see how many of those people are in the audience. But when he when he changed it to locking out China, you hear the you hear the the volume of of support raised. Did you pick up on that in the clip as well? So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping maybe somebody there inside that operation has gotten to him and said, we, we can't. We can't run on. We locked down the country and ruined the ruined the economy. We can't run on that in November. We've so we've got to get off that, that talking point. We've been hoping that for three and a half years now. That's the thing. I'm not I'm less encouraged than I am frustrated by it. If he would self-edit on a regular basis, he would be <laughs> running away with this thing. There's there is some truth to that. Anyway, your thoughts on John Bolton. I'm kidding. Um, let's get to the next one. Aaron, you start here on this one. Is this a good line? You know, it's not a question of we heard in the last election cycle. It's not a question of who do you trust to answer the phone if it rings at two in the morning. It's can Joe Biden answer the phone if it rings at two in the afternoon? So that's Tim Murtaugh. He is the communications director for the Trump reelect campaign, clearly hammering the Joe Biden uh, competency uh, threshold, which we've been talking about on this show for at least eight months. What do you think, Aaron? Is that a good line? Well, it could be, but I think we had, uh, I think we had people out on uh, out in front of the White House uh, yesterday trying to topple the statue of Andrew Jackson at two p.m. in the afternoon. So as long as that type of stuff is going on, to me that just rings hollow. But that's just me. I'm cynical about pretty much everything except for uh, except for uh, you know my sports handicapping prowess. So I I think I know that triggers Todd every time I, I talk about that. Um, no, I think that's. I, that could be a good line if he actually becomes d- does all the three things that we talked about yesterday. If he becomes a championing of reopening, uh, becomes actually the president of law and order, and uh, actually forces Joe Biden to come out and show that he's not capable of ch- taking a call at two o'clock in the afternoon. Until those things happen, nobody's really going to care. What do you think, Todd? It's, it's true, lose, but more than because it's a good line. It, it's he is the most fundamentally flawed candidate perhaps ever run for president of the United States. Talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden in terms of capacity I agree with you. to do the job. At least what we know. We don't we don't know, you know, Zachary Taylor died in office after catching an yeah, the, yeah, yeah. No, pneumonia not, or something at his I, I want to say, well, yeah. was it at his inaugural address? Woodrow so Wilson yeah. had a stroke and they, right. the White House was being run by his wife. But in terms of be, but we running know, for office. We didn't o- know that yeah. stuff wasn't in our face in those eras, right? Before like it is running now. for office. Right. Um, and again, set aside what, what he thinks about anything uh, in terms of policy and what party he's in. There's never been as biologically broken a human being no doubt. as him. There's, there's no question. We've never had a conversation openly at this level, right? There was there was talk in Reagan's second in his reelect, maybe he'd lost a step, right? Given mm-hmm. his age, sure. But no one was question. It's not a troll to question whether the guy has dementia. It's a legitimate question. Yeah, and it's just never we've never had this before ever. And he's unless something unforeseen happens, he's going to be a major party's nominee for president, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's an issue, right? Next one. 
Does this move the needle? Todd, you go first on this one. Does this move the needle for you at all? Here's the end. I think the end is going to be about who cares about law enforcement, who cares about keeping people safe, who cares about holding China accountable, and who who cares about capitalism. In that case, I think Trump's going to win. That's Senator Rick Scott from Florida laying out what he thinks the election in the end will be about. Are those questions? Does that move the needle for you? That contrasting vision? Well, if he... If he's saying that if the dialogue is ultimately about that, he's he's right in part, but it has to be because the president himself is the one carrying the water through action and not words. Uh, and, and I don't know, Rick, Rick Scott seems like a decent enough guy, but you know, it, it, it can't look, the conversation can't look like the vanilla that you just got from Rick Scott. I mean, there needs to be some serious flexing going on here because the other side is, is doomsday right now. Uh, and we're sitting there thinking that uh, we, we still have a country uh, when it's being flat out taken from us at every turn. So it, it, it can't be a Rick Scott conversation. In other words, he sounded too technocratic for you. Is that what you were trying to say? A no, bit? Uh, among other things, absolutely. Right. He sounded, well, it's, it's weak. It's not a white paper. It's not, it, it's not just a, a, a silly uh, um, out in the suburbs uh, debate club uh, amongst high schools. You know, this is, this is real life. This is the stuff of revolution. This is the stuff of uh, Patrick Henry, not Rick Scott. Aaron? So when you're when you're on a sailboat, what do you do? Uh, you can't pocket really sand. change. Yeah, pocket sand. You can't really change the environment. You can't change the wind, the direction of the wind. What you can do is try to harness that environment, the direction of the wind, the wind speed, what have you, to your advantage. So right now, Rick Scott took 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 out the kind of the best case scenarios, the best case scenarios of what the messaging could be in this environment. So he, I think he understands what the environment is. So he could be true. This could be fake news that, that could move the needle if President Trump at all his campaign, you know, if they actually recognize and start turning the environment for their, for their gain. Right now, they're just being pushed around and moved around and letting the environment dictate to them and just letting the environment win, essentially, they have to be able to harness the environment. And, you know, at a macro level, I think Rick Scott pointed out what the winning issues are. They just have to be a little bit more deft, a little bit more deft at how to turn the environment to their to their advantage. And they just aren't doing that right now. It's even we've always known what the winning issues are. And so, so do the Republican leadership in many respects. They just hate us enough that they'd rather have us lose. We know this. Here's where I agree with Rick, that if, if on election night, you can often tell who wins or loses by the issue priorities of the electorate in the exit polls. All right. In 2004, when the number two issue next to the economy was moral values, you knew that John Kerry and that's not the electorate for John Kerry and John Edwards, Right. Okay, in 2012, when the majority of that electorate still thought that the slow economic recovery was George W. Bush's fault, that's bad news for Mitt Romney, right? Okay, because issues are those the issues that are at prominence frame the electorate. The old way of there's 40 percent Republicans, 40 percent Democrats, and 20 percent Independents, and the whole war is waged over that 20 percent is not true anymore. 
the whole system is way too polarized. So it's really about can can you not you don't you don't have to win a majority of the American people anymore. You have to win a majority of the American people who show up to vote. Because a lot of people have uh, uh, more and more. Hillary Clinton got virtually the same percentage of black vote that that Barack Obama did, minus a point or two, but the turnout was demonstrably lower. She didn't energize that base of people. And I think that's where a lot of the race baiting we have seen the last few years is to is they're trying to compensate for that. Similar to Mitt Romney lost four and a half million white voters from that voted for John McCain from 2008 to 2012. And then you saw in the 2014 midterm elections, you saw those white voters come roaring back with a vengeance and Republicans pulled off one of the largest uh, Senate swings, majority Senate swings in a century in America. It comes down to, can you frame who turns out to vote? That's what it really comes down to. There's not a lot of persuadables out there. Well, they're not persuadable in the way that we used to think of them. You're persuading them to even show up. There's that level of, of, uh, of give upness where the system is concerned. Is it worth me even voting? Number one. And then number two, do you, do the, do, are, are you speaking my message that I think you're going to address what caused me to then come out and vote? Voters are far more loyal about what they're against nowadays than what they are for. They go in with, a, particularly on the right, they go in with a, with a, with a handicap of being disappointed and d- delivering on the results. And so what concerns me is Rick Scott is correct. If we're sitting here on election night and we're in our group chat and the exit polls come in before they call any states or any results are called. And if the exit polls show that the top two or three issues are the economy, law and order and uh, reopening America, Donald Trump's going to win that election. Okay, he won that night. He won. We don't know what the margin's going to be yet, right? Could be a sweeping win, could be by the hair of his chinny chin chin. But is that an issue environment? Even in the polls right now that show that, and because I, I felt guilty after admitting yesterday, I've done nothing on polls. I decided to go ahead and spend some time last night going through some polls. All right, just to see what they were saying. You know, old old hacks, political hacks die hard. All right, and even in the polls, even in these numbers, which I'm not saying you should buy any of them, particularly on June. Uh, uh, 23rd, okay? But even, but I'm looking for metrics more than I'm looking for the, what, the, what the findings are. Even in their metrics that are very poor for Trump overall, he wins on the economy. And every, every time that question comes up, even in polls that have him losing by double digits to Joe Biden, he wins on the economy. So if the issues are the economy, law and order, Trump's going to win. I agree with that diagnosis, okay? Where I think Rick Scott falls short is that environment will not just occur organically. It won't just occur organically. The whole zeitgeist is against that. The whole jet stream of the culture is against permitting that to come to the fore. It's trying to hide that. And so Trump also is not an outsider this time. He can't run on law and order. He has to be the guy who installed it, who did it, who deployed it. I was looking at a poll from Harvard University last night. It has Joe Biden winning by 12 points. He's not going to, even if Joe Biden wins in November, he's not winning by 12 points, guys. Okay, but that's their current top line result. 
Same poll, same sample. 72% of Americans are a no on defund the police, 28% yes. Well, now you know how many, now you know really about 25% of your country are communists. You know that now, okay? Which means some simple deductive reasoning, folks. If the same sample has prefers Joe Biden by 12 points, but thinks by, by, by almost 50 points, defund the police is dumb, that means what, guys? A whole bunch of people who right now are not voting for Donald Trump, according to this poll, are supportive of a key part of his own message, right? Yeah. But, but he can't just throw that out there. I mean, I got people on my Facebook page saying that it's good for Trump for, for these cities, blue cities, to go up in flames. No, it's not. It's not good for him. Who, care, who cares if Donald Trump wins Alabama by 18 points when he won it by 17 the last time? Same amount of electoral college votes. You know what I'm saying? So it might, be you, it might be good for you, Red Stater, down there in Montgomery and Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. You might be getting your jollies off of watching the blue state uh, frenzy feed on itself. But if I'm in one of those swing states, first of all, I'm, I'm like, I, 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 I don't know that Donald Trump's going to save me from that if my Democrat governor or Democrat mayor allows that to happen. None to mention, if you're asking people to take two or three steps of math before they vote, you're going to lose, I promise you. You got to make it... People are not smart enough for that level of nuance. All right? You got to make it much simpler to them. When we took out the judges 10 years ago, you know what our hardest challenge was? It was not convincing people to vote against judges. They freaking hate judges. It was convincing them to turn the ballot over and do it for the first time ever. Because most people just go in there, vote for president, congressman, or straight ticket. They can't do that in Iowa anymore, but you could back then. And never even turn the ballot over. Don't even know that there's another side of the ballot, right? Yeah. That was the number one messaging challenge we had, <laughs> was getting people to turn the ballot over and vote no on the judges. Because it was an extra step they just had never taken before. You ever looked at the raw numbers and seen what the turnout is for the judge vote compared to the presidential election? They're on the same ballot, same day. It's just on the other side of the ballot. It's a lot lower. You can't, you can't ask people to do that level. That's a quadratic equation, frankly. No, no. They need to see you do the law and order. See you do it. They need to see you champion capitalism by reopening the country again. My fear is I'm watching the Trump campaign frame a message around they're the ones that are the challenger and not the incumbent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And your own base is going to let you get away with that. They're going to let you blame the media and the Republican Party and all that other stuff. There's not enough of, the, of well, your hardcore base will let you do that. There's not enough of those people to win. And they're in all the states that you are going to win anyway. He needs to actually have a re-election message. And, you know, more people working than ever before, which is what we had 135 days ago. That's a powerful re-election message, right? We got more people working than we've ever had before. That's a good re-election message. I understand that. But when you're not doing the law and order, and it's happening right outside your house, you can't run on law and order. You have to do it. You can't. You have to do it. And my fear is they're, they're kind of just treating Joe Biden like they're just running the outsider campaign against Hillary Clinton as the third term for Barack Obama. No, you have to be able to affirmatively run on your record now. 
And his record was pretty good until 135 days ago. In the past 135 days, the record's not been good, which means what's the number one thing he's got to change, guys? Yeah. The record. He's got to change his record. This is my frustration with guys like Rick Scott, you know, what, however well he meant. But by telling us that, like, like yeah, we get it. What are you doing about it? Why are you telling this, telling us this is what's important? We know it's important. We've been begging you to do stuff like this for decades upon decades. At any point in time, you can grab the conch piggy and do something about it. All right, we have two clips left. You each are going to get one of them, all right? Aaron, you get first dibs. You want this clip or you want to pass it to Todd? This one. All right. Attorney General Bill Barr on Chaz. Well, in the first instance, uh, it's the responsibility, obviously, of the local officials and then the state officials uh, to protect the rights of their citizens. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the federal government does have a responsibility ability to make sure that citizens are not deprived of their federal rights. So will you challenge that autonomous city? Will you sue the mayor? What can you do? Well, I don't want to get into specifics, but we're obviously keeping an eye on it. And as the president said, in, in due course, we may have to do something about it, but we can't let it go on indefinitely. Aaron. So imagine, tragically, you or a loved one uh, gets diagnosed with um, a tumor. And it's going to metastasize, get bigger, if you don't cut it out sooner than later. Um. Imagine you go and meet with the doctors and the surgeons, and one of them says, you know, we've got this tumor right here. We know this is, this is true, and, and it's, it's our job to cut it out of there, um, you know, and, and we can do a surgery, but uh, I think it's just best for us to keep an eye on it and, uh, you know, because we can't let it go on into perpetuity. Uh, does that in- invoke confidence? Nah. You want your surgeon... You want the people with the know-how and the power to be able to fix you and make you whole again. You want them to actually use that and do something to make you whole again, to get that cancer out of there. Mm-hmm. Not to say, well, we'll keep an eye on it. This can't go on into perpetuity. Yeah, it can't go on into perpetuity. So why isn't going on now? It's been going on into perpetuity for three weeks and you're not doing anything about it. Give me a break. Come on. I mean, at least at least go back to the Bill Barr that was good at making really cool speeches. Yeah. Go back to that. The frustration here is the American people want Trump. It, it's politically popular for him to do the stuff that he says. It's trying to get him to do it. That's the issue. Yeah. Okay, but it, it's politically popular to do the stuff that he says. That's why he's president now. All right, Todd, you get this last clip. This is one more from the president. I have a lot of viewers in Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, who are still struggling economically, sir. They spent all of that first stimulus check. Are you going to get them a second stimulus Yeah, we check? are. We are. Look, we had this uh, When? When are you going to get it? We had this going better than uh, anybody's ever seen before. We had the best job numbers, the best economics, the best economy we've ever had. And then we had the virus come in from China, and now we're rebuilding it again. Uh, we will be doing another stimulus package. It'll be very good. It'll be very generous. And How much? How much? How be, much? People want to know. You'll find out about it. You'll find out. When are you going to do it? When are you going to announce it? Uh, I think over the next, uh, I think it's going to be bipartisan. I think it's going to be over the next uh, couple of weeks, probably. Todd. Who was that game show host, by the way? That guy was interesting. Uh, I'll buy. No whammy. I, he, I was waiting to hear no whammies, no whammies. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, 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 well, that's tomorrow. That's, uh, that, that's true news about him. If he could win this thing just by being Santa Claus and giving people money and he's, yeah, 
he's going to do that. He's going to try to do that. I totally accept that as uh, a likelihood, more more likely than him doing what uh, Rick Scott talked about. The thing is, though, I have to be able to go somewhere to spend the money, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to... There have things have to be open. I have to be able to go somewhere to to spend the money. My, my wife hasn't even gotten her first stimulus check. We're sitting at home. How much for one check? <laughs> Not. I mean, we haven't even t- started thinking about. Who do, it I didn't even one. know. Who do you call for that? Oh, there's no recourse. There is none. There's there's no recourse. No. Okay. You call just, the IRS guys, and, and they basically tell you the same thing that's on the website. You'll are find you, are out. Telling me they're not known for their customer service over there. <laughs> Apparently, you'll yeah. find out. All right. When we come back here in a moment, we're going to get to Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And I'm going to lay out why I think it is possible, maybe even likely, that the return of sports is going to end the panic porn, much of it, surrounding coronavirus, even more so than watching people riot without masks and social distancing did. I'll, I'll explain and then Todd and Aaron can call fake news or not on me when we return. Stay tuned. You know, trying to sell your home is a challenge. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and then go all in, take charge of the situation. So if you need the house painted, here's who you talk to. Need to replace the stairs in the backyard? There's a phone number for that. It's dialing. Roof repair? You can know a guy. But Real Estate Agents I Trust is a company you go to when you, have, when you want to find the kinds of agents who work with us, working for you instead of their own interests. You can rest assured that you're going to be in the hands of a capable team of people who will see your selling process through from the day you interview them until the moment you sign on the dotted line. And the same goes if you're buying a home as well. When you choose your agent through Real Estate Agents I Trust, you've just partnered yourself to a competitive winning machine, a team of people who are going to see it through to the end for you, who don't just talk a good game, but walk the walk and deliver the results as well. Real Estate Agents I Trust, that's the name that kind of says it all. Just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. So let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is where we look at the intersection each Tuesday between pop culture and conservatism. And if you go back to March, when it was beginning to really hit the fan that that we were going to really do this dumb thing called a lockdown, we were going to really we we're going to really go down this road. Sports was really the beacon here, the herald. When the NBA postponed the rest of its season, the NHL did the same. Um, and especially, as Aaron has pointed out numerous times, when when the NCAA canceled the NCAA tournament, which is where over 90% of the NCAA's budget is funded every year by the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's arguably the second most popular singular sporting event in America behind the Super Bowl. When those things started to happen, that's when it was clear the the extrament just got real here, right? Sure. So then maybe it is fitting that sports as will come full circle 
and be what ultimately ends the panic porn. And here's why. There's a lot of questions that a lot of your governors aren't adequately answering. Even if they're even if they're doing well with reopening. I got a, a you know, I got a call from a buddy of mine yesterday who lives down in Texas, really concerned about the messaging you heard from Greg Abbott yesterday. He's like, why is he why is he feeding this fear porn about case spikes? He's like, Steve, I'm out and about here. We're not going back in. The whole state's outside. We're not, we're not going back in. So it doesn't do you any good to feed the panic porn. You're not going to get away with another lockdown anyway. So why would you message like this? Remember when our governor, Kim Reynolds, said when she went into full bore reopen mode and she literally said to our media, it, it, it's going to be here. It's not going anywhere. We can't get rid of it. But, you know, this state is responsible for feeding much of the civilized world. We just cannot, you know, stay in, in a hole because of a virus. I've, you know, we, you've got the safety recommendations, do the best you can. We'll try to provide the best aftercare in our long-term facilities as we possibly can. But, you know, mortality is baked into the cake, folks. Nobody lives forever, right? Remember, she basically just said that. Sure. All of the governors should have been saying this, in my view. From the very beginning, just been honest. We, we're, not, we're not getting rid of this. It's not, it may ultimately burn itself out like the first SARS did. It may do that. But unless it does that, they, they spent 12 years trying to find a vaccine for that first SARS. I know Anthony Fauci saying today he's cautiously optimistic they'll have one by the end of the year. Folks, they've had, they've had 100 SARS-2 coronavirus vaccines already. That's not the issue. The issue is not coming up with a vaccine. It's can I inject it into millions of people and then what happens if I do? Do I bring back, you know, cholera, shingles? Does, do, I, do I create a mutation of another virus? It's the human trials and those take months and months and months, if not years. And, and, and there have been human trials of vaccines. And the problem is India's had this issue. The virus mutates. And so that human trial is obsolete and we're back to the drawing board. That's what happened with the first SARS virus. They couldn't keep up with the mutations and ultimately the funding just dried up after more than a decade of trying. And so our governor was like, hey, we can't just hide forever. We got to have a life. We flatten the curve. Hospitals are open, available. If you're, you know, obey the symptoms, stay home. If you have a fever, if you're sick, don't go anywhere. But other than that, we'll keep testing as many people as we can, as many times as we can. But we have to live our lives. We, we can't just hide. Uh, the people peddling the panic porn have not permitted that message through their Overton window. They, they know, they know, stay in your homes until there's a vaccine. They know that's not realistic. You know, that's why Chris Cuomo was taking trips while he was on uh, <clears throat> quarantine for testing positive for COVID-19. Okay, I've got questions. A lot of them. Right? That's, that's why they weren't demanding the rioters and looters and <clears throat> peaceful protests disband 
Instead, a lot of the politicians that were locking you down joined in on them. They participated in these. Right? They know this. And they, and they don't want to be locked down forever either. They, they just want to win the election in November. That's all. And then you're going to be shocked if Joe Biden wins. You're going to be shocked to see all the affirming data they've been sitting on this entire time. Wouldn't be shocked if your criminal CDC finally rolled out that national antibody study. We've been asking ourselves, where's that been for three months? If you get that, maybe like around Thanksgiving with President-elect Biden. They don't want to be locked down either. Trust me. Everybody that wants to go see the new Marvel movie and can't right now, this may shock some of you, but everybody that wants to see that new Marvel movie as much as you do, did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Todd, your thoughts? Are you stunned to hear this news? No. No. Aaron, I'm, this is going to knock your socks off, okay? But everybody that wants Major League Baseball back didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Hmm. There were some people that want baseball back that did not. Did you know that, Aaron? No. Yeah. No, there's your clickbait headline right there. Yeah. Did, did you know that, a, that there's a lot of people that enjoy the creature comforts of Americana every bit as much as we all do? That don't vote the way we do. They want to. Did you know that everybody that wishes their kid could have had a graduation party and a graduation ceremony didn't vote for Donald Trump? Todd, did you know this? Yes. You did know. Okay. Because I'm not sure we know this. We, we act as if we're the only people that want these things to return. No, no there's. There's all kinds of people that don't agree with us on issues and think we're, you know, unevolved un troglodytes that would like these things to return as well. It's just their price point is, I'll put this off for a year if it, gives, if it gets rid of Donald Trump. And then as soon as we get rid of Donald Trump, it's returned to normalcy, baby. Okay? So that's, that's why a lot of your information is, is, is a lie. That's why pointing out that we can't just stay in our homes forever until there's a vaccine. They, they don't permit you to challenge that within their Overton window. It's why Sweden was memory hold after being essentially baited and pressured and doing the same lockdown everybody else did. And then when that didn't work, what's a Sweden? Do you know what a Sweden is? Apparently they know as much about Sweden as I do about Italian geography, because when I said last hour uh, about Milan is in Lombardy, which is a state or region of Italy. So now, you know, I don't know a damn thing about Italian geography. You know why I don't? Because I'm an American. I don't have to. Okay. I don't pretend to be an expert on Italian geography like everybody on Twitter was all winter long. Okay. I am an expert on calling BS on you. I'm really good at that. I don't know a damn thing about Italian geography. So. This is why they don't want sports to come back. Because the problem you have, once the games begin, objectivity takes over, right? Once the game begins, you either have more points than the other team or you don't, right? Right. That's a pretty cut and dried result. Once the game begins, the kneeling and should we play sports again, it's fascinating being associated with Sports Illustrated. I'm almost shocked now when we actually run a sports article. 
I mean, I'm almost stunned when 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 something from SI shows up my Twitter feed, and it's actually it's not demanding that we never play sports again. It just it's a weird world where a bunch of people that need sports to return to earn their income are really desperately hoping it never comes back. Odd, okay. But the the same thing, the game will be afoot here now that we're bringing all these players back, starting with the colleges. The NBA is going to go back to camp here pretty soon. Major League Baseball looks like it will now. The NHL is going to. The NFL is going to open training camps earlier than ever before because they got to compensate for all of the off-field you know, training camps and mini camps that weren't done. And so over the next 30 days, pretty much every major athletic endeavor in America is going to bring its players back over the course between, between this juncture next month, July 23rd of 2020. By this time next month, every major sport would have brought all of its players back. And when they bring all their players back, what's the first thing they're going to do with all these players, guys? They're going to do what first? Test them. They're going to test them all, right? That's going on in college football right now. So you've heard a couple of stories. Clemson, 21 players have tested positive for coronavirus. LSU right now has 30 players by one report I read. That's a third. That's more than a third of the scholarship players on the team has 30 players effectively in a quarantine for testing positive. Yeah, if I were Clemson, if I were any of these any of these schools with huge uh, if I were Ohio State, I'd want, you know, Justin Fields testing positive right now. I'd want yes. Trevor Lawrence po- yes. testing positive right now because yeah. you know what? Right. They can't test positive for when they're playing uh, Michigan and Alabama. You know what right. they can't test positive for that week? Exactly. Now, this is all being framed as we brought the players back too soon. It just goes to show they're not going to be able to pull this off. The exact opposite is true. Because you're hearing about all these players testing positive, right? For all these college football teams? Yes. How many of you heard about being rushed to the hospital with symptoms? It's a low number. Really low. Zero. Now, eventually somebody's going to be, right? Eventually, somebody will be. But, but in an era where you have to change your fight song or a halftime uh, uh, routine because it was racist 80 years ago or something, how many player families have you heard say, I, I don't want my kid going back to play for that coach? One school had an issue that was UCLA. Their concern really wasn't so much with the coach as much as they weren't sure about the the independence of the healthcare reporting. But where's all the family saying, I don't want to send my kids, I don't want to send my babies back. That's my baby. I'm not sending him into a college campus. It's not safe. Have you seen a bunch of those stories? No. No, you haven't. Hmm. I guess that must mean Dennis Dodd at CBS Sportsline loves all of these players more than their own freaking parents do. That's a possibility, right? That's one option. Is that one option? Sure. That's an option. The option is Pat Forty at Sports Illustrated and Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports and Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports and um, Adam Rittenberg at ESPN. One potential option is that these men all love the children of college football more than their mamas do. That is an option. Probably not the... Most viable one, I'm guessing, though. The other option is this is the safest environment they could be in because now they're getting tested regularly. 
Now these kids are finding out they had the virus and didn't even know. Are you getting better medical care probably wherever you're living or on the LSU campus being a member of the football team, do you think? The LSU campus. Yeah, probably the LSU campus. So here's going to be what's going to be fascinating. In a couple of weeks, when a bunch of these guys are not being hauled off to be intubated with ventilators, the jig is up. Game is up. I wish that were so. the ma- Because it's out in the open now. It's out in the open now. You can't hide this from people. They, they follow their sports teams more than they follow politics and the news. Which Todd hates, but is also true. And so when, when my favorite, when Clemson doesn't send seven guys to, the, to, be, to be ventilated in an ICU out of the 21 guys that tested positive, the, we're going to say what to that? We can't lie anymore. It's out in the open. It's, been, it's like scoreboard. The game has been played. We know who won and who lost. Because the universities have liability. They don't get away with panic porn peddling and everything else. They can't, on one hand, they can't afford for there not to be a season because they're all going to go bankrupt without it. Every sport, over 200,000 scholarships nationwide, all go bankrupt if they don't play, on one hand. And on the other hand, they can't afford to lie about the severity of the virus either because then they're, out, then they're up for liability lawsuits that they can't afford. These programs have to tell the truth. They're not going to get away with panic port peddling or sticking their head in the sand. They're, they're whole, they're, they're, every dollar they're worth is at stake. Everything is. So the truth is going to come out. And you're going to find out when they don't take a bunch of these guys to the hospital in the innovator, we didn't have to do this. And you're getting lied to. Tell me how they avoid this. Progressives don't just stop lying, Steve. Okay. I understand the media is going to lie. I'm talking about the rest of the culture is going to watch. Are more people watching Good Morning America or the LSU-Alabama football game in November, do you think? It's the LSU-Alabama football game. But they they send their kids there. They know there's a level of disconnect with what they think. I mean, the, the public is used to just accepting a certain degree of nonsense. The nonsense is dialed up. Last night, when I, be, between games I'm umpiring, fans in a big high school loading up the stadium, uh, and that's when I get the Twitter that the Story County Board of Health, which is where Ames, Iowa is, which is where Iowa State University is, are saying it is way too dangerous to have any fans in the stadium come fall. The, the lying will not stop. It, it's, I know the lying won't stop, but it won't be believed because we'll have results, I, tangible results that are inarguable we, at that point. Right? You, I'm believing in flawed human nature more right now than you are. I'm, I'm believing in the math. The math will be what it is. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.